Thoughtful gifts are always the best, aren't they? Aren't they? But how do you find the right one for weather enthusiasts? Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanik. And this week, well, I, I thought I'd talk weather gifts. I don't know, gifts in general. Before we get there, as always, I hope your weather's treating you well. Mine? Yeah, it's weather. Had a few thunderstorms the other day. I was thankful for those. They were kind of distant, right? I, I always like to have the vista view of, of thunderstorms, and, and my setup here isn't ideal for that. So I always appreciate it when I get some that I can kind of watch as they make their way across the horizon. Whatever your weather's been, I hope it's been enjoyable. Hope it's been to your liking in all aspects. You know, it's it's not just one thing, right? It can be really cool looking weather, but if it's really uncomfortable temperature wise, you may not enjoy it at all. Unless you're inside, you know, again, enjoying the views, of course. But in any case, I hope yours going well. Like I said, mine's kind of been the, I'll take it. You know, I'm not going to complain or anything. But I'm ready for summer to be over. You're probably tired of hearing me say that. I think we'd all be better off if it just cool off a little, right? You wouldn't have to listen to me talk about it. Any case, weather watches. I want to. I want to thank Aaron. gave a very thoughtful response on Patreon talking about weather warnings, and I've I've heard from a, a few folks with regards to the weather warning stuff. But I do think that. It's, it's, it's going to be one of those topics, I guess, that I'll continue to think about because as I go through my different experiences, it is I have to think about, as I you know talked about in the last episode, how I convey messages. I like to hope, at least, that I evolve and try to make it better. And I do think there are opportunities. And I do think we live in an age where it can be more personalized. Now, Aaron conveyed one of the challenges he has with apps is, you know, it, you would you would hope apps at, at times would be more customizable or able to be more attuned or filtered to the individual user. Now, I know there are a lot that aren't. And, and Aaron brought up an app, Weather Underground, which is one I still use. But the reality is, you know, Weather Underground, when it was its own thing, was great. And, you know, they were one of the first that took personal weather station data and put it out there for all of us to see. But as they got swallowed up and ultimately swallowed up by IBM, they're more of a, I think it's maintained because it was a thing. And as much as I like it, I'm watching other apps that have kind of, uh, visually and even in what's available to do with it or probably overtaking it. I still use the app, but, uh, I, I think unfortunately for myself and Aaron and anybody that's still using the app over time, we're probably going to have to make an alternate choice, but yeah, his, his comment was understandable about, you know, wishing that, uh, they would have some flexibility in their interface on a per user basis that they don't really have. And again, it, it 
it sounds sometimes some of the things might seem easy to us as the users and i know as a coder that there are sometimes that some what seems to be the easiest thing to implement can quite often be the hardest and it's tricky and with all these things you know it's it's still a money game these people have to make money for the work that they do quite often and they may have to choose between doing something that satisfies a larger group versus something that satisfies what they perceive as an individual and this is where i think Developers get it wrong sometimes, as we think maybe because just one person's asking for it, that they're going to be the only one they, that uses it. And I, I think the reality is quite often that some of the best ideas that I've ever implemented have come from a single user who was passionate about the topic and was able to convey it well enough that I understood the gist of it. And once something was implemented, you realize that a lot of people are going, oh, that's really cool, right? I, I really never thought about it that's quite often the you know the limitation is there's this one person who really had they had put some thought and some mind into it and you know a lot of people benefited because of it so yeah hopefully they'll get there we'll see the other thing and I get asked this and and so I'm going to make it clear one of the things that people often kind of wonder with seasons, right? As we see these things with, you know, whether it's a meteorological summer, which we're, you know, we're definitely out of coming up here in a few days, right? So we've got September on our doorstep. So in a couple of days, you're going to hear me saying it's not summer anymore. And in the way I work, it's not. And then you've got other people that say, you know, summer is still into this uh, later in the month when we have, you know, the, the sun doing its equator thing, because that's what time of year it is. But people often ask me why we have these variances and, and why things follow. And there is something that you just need to keep in mind that it, you know, whether no matter what season people are talking about, that when, you know, I do analysis or whether, you know, we do it based on the moon. All these things are kind of, it's like a lot of things. It's sort of irrelevant. Summer can be when you define it or it can be very geographic for where you live. And we do see this seasonal lag component. And it is something to keep in mind that the, the sun phases tend to start the shift before you see things transpire. And that's why quite often, you know, I grew up in an area where fall tended to lag later, right? It seemed to come almost, you know, at the time we were talking about winter, et cetera. But it is often why you see, you know, let's say in winter when you hear people talk about December and, you know, you get all the stuff between here in the U.S. between Thanksgiving and Christmas, a lot of people talking about it, but the, the colder months don't come till later. And yes, I know the, the actual winter solstice date is, you know, late in December, but we get this lag and it does have something to do with, the way the sun heats the earth and the way the temperatures are stored in the oceans, etc. All those things come into play. So the reason we see some of that is this seasonal lag. And so I know I, I as much as I want summer to come to an end, it's not going to be immediate. But if you ever look at a seasonal map for most places that kind of go through a, a normal cyclical process, you will see that you're, there's often this phase shift. So it is something to keep in mind. So I know I want it, but then maybe I can get a little early cooling in late summer and have a nice long fall, but we shall see. Any case. All right, let, let, let's get on to the main topic. I'm not going to keep, I, I'm going to, I'm rambling about seasonal lags and watches and stuff and 
Well, watches. I guess I could talk about watches. Birthday watch. But we're going to talk about gifting, right? Because, yes, I'm older again by the way we measure older. I, I Kind of the way I look at it every day I get older, right? We all do. As far as I know, we're all living in a, a time sequence. If you're living outside the fourth dimension, uh, good for you. I'm, I'm happy that you're able to do that. I think that would be a neat trick for a lot of people. But I live in this linear kind of frame set. And I'm getting older, but you know we have these these moments where we go, "Yay! You survived another cycle of the sun," sort of thing, right? And the Earth went around the sun one more time. Maybe you celebrate. Maybe I should do it that way. We should have moon birthday orientation. We get really old. In any case, birthday time. Thanks for all who wish me birthday. Happy birthday, and. I, you know, got this new watch and the new watch has new weather instrumentation that I think is, eh, it's good, right? Do I think it's going to be whiz bang better? No, but do I think it's going to be better? All, overall, I guess all in all, the watch is great. Been very happy with it so far. It's my first one that actually has a touch face to it, which I wasn't sure I would use, but I have been using. Uh, I like buttons on my watch because there are certain things I do where I don't want the face to be active. And this is one of those watches that does that for me so that when I'm in physically active activities, the face by default turns off. So I don't accidentally hit it and do something I don't want to do. So I'm grateful for that. But it got me to thinking about weather gifts in general, because I, I get that question a lot. And I remember the first, what I would call weather gift that I got. Now I got a weather radio as a kid and I mentioned that before and it was a birthday present and looking back on it, I, you know, that was my first weather gift, but I never really thought about it in that regard. I mean, it was just kind of this cool, neat piece of technology. I was kind of a radio kid anyways. I remember Back when I was growing up, AM radio was still, it's finally fading, right? It, it, it got its second generation with the kind of the political spectrum, but it's it's finally fading again. But I used to love listening to AM radio at night when you could get signals from way far away. And I still remember, right, getting hockey games. So I think there, if I'm remembering correctly, that actually the signals do carry a little bit better in the wintertime. But I would get these hockey games from, like, I don't know if it was Quebec or Montreal, wherever it was. I didn't understand. They were in French. It wasn't the only hockey games I got. But I always thought that was really cool. And, yeah, it would last. And then it would fade and it'd come back in. But just the idea of the signal from far away was always kind of cool to me. And I, and I guess I thought about weather radio in the same regard as, you know, radio is kind of one of those mystical things. And, and to some respect, TV is as well. But, you know, once you get cable TV and, you know, it kind of comes through a wire in the wall, it kind of takes some of the mystery out of it. But the first weather gift that I got that kind of was like somebody said, I know you really are into weather and gave me that gift was I got a best man gift, right? From my friend Craig, who gave me this device that I still have today, right? It's it's one of those things. If I'm a hoarder, I'm a hoarder for weather things. Right? That, that's the one thing you will find that I hoard stuff on. I, I'm very anti-hoard in general, so hopefully people won't give me too many weather things or at some pl- time I'll run out of space. But I still remember getting that gift and how grateful I was for that gift. And, and I think what was more, maybe more important was it hit him that way, that he saw me as being into the weather. And it, it's kind of, that's been part of my story is, Yes, I've always been in the weather, and, and maybe I just 
didn't recognize how much I was talking about it or thought it was cool or that sort of thing. Because I remember also early on getting a Galilean thermometer. And for those of you that don't know what those are, those are the ones that are kind of, it's like a glass rod and it has little bubbles that float in it. And when those came out, how many ever years ago now, and that wasn't a new thing, obviously, then, but it was kind of a trendy gift and they were rather expensive. And I remember getting one of those as a holiday gift. It was actually a Christmas gift. And just thought it was really cool, right? I, you know, we were not in a situation where I was going to get the big one that cost bazillions. It wasn't bazillions of dollars. I know I'm exaggerating. But I got one that sat well on a desk. And it was just really, it was a nice gift. And of course, over time, I've continued to get more gifts. I remember getting the first, what I would call high-quality weather station, a, a Davis uh, Vantage 2 uh, weather station and setting that thing up. In Chicago, of all places, I had access to the roof of the building I was living in and was able to set it up top there. So, I, you know, just I have all these fond memories of getting weather gifts. And many people who are listening to this podcast probably like getting weather gifts, but you may also have people that you want to get weather gifts for. And so I get this kind of question again, which is, how do I find the right gift? Well, I'm not going to give magic answers. I'm going to give you some thoughts of how I recommend for people that go through the process because... Weather gifts can be really cheap, really inexpensive. And I and I don't mean, you know, yeah, there's some sub $10 stuff that you could get that would be okay. But I'm still saying $10 to $20. And even with inflation. And then there's going to be stuff that you could spend probably in excess of $1,000 on. And, you know, you'll understand when we get to talking about it. So they'd really do run the gamut. But it's kind of like... Most things. I remember I saw some article about a TikToker this week that was very upset that they didn't want people giving their baby junk anymore. And I was like, what, what is this all about? And somebody was complaining that people were giving gifts and they weren't thoughtful. She didn't, it's like, if you're not going to give a thoughtful gift or if you're going to re-gift something, then I don't want it, right? And quite frankly, I remember getting a re-gift as a wedding present, right? <laughs> and still laughing about how actually it, it was okay. It was funny because the card was still in the gift. So I did, I mean, I, I caught them red-handed. It definitely was a re-gift situation. But used it for a while, threw it away, took it for what it was. It was kind of an inexpensive thing, but yeah, it was something I could use. So I understand that. And you you don't want to be the person that gets accused of being the re-gifter or not putting thought in it. And, you know, for all of us. There are times when we have a lot of time to think about a present or to get a present. And I will say as I've gotten older or in the last, let's say, five years, I've gotten more into just doing gift cards for some people. And not, I, I don't like that approach, never have, because it is kind of the easy way out. But let's be clear, I would rather give somebody a gift card and let them choose what they want and make use of some money, right, than buy them something that they're going to hate. I, I, you know, I am a a believer in that process. So what I want to try to help you do is if you're going to buy a weather-related gift for somebody, hopefully it's thoughtful to begin with and they appreciate it for what it is, but you you can think about some aspects of it that will probably make it easier to determine if you're going to walk down that path, right? So one number one is always clearly define your budget, and that's not unique to this kind of gift, but it's it's important to keep that in mind because it's very easy with anything we buy, right, any category even, to get from being within a budget to outside a budget very quickly. And so if you don't know what your budget is, you know, you're you're going to be just 
taking a stab in the dark. And that can be on the low end too, right? If your budget, let's say, is $100 and you buy something that's $25, the, the person that's getting it is going to know it's a $25 gift. That's the other thing. In this day and age, everybody can kind of find out the price of everything they're getting. So the thoughtful gift makes more sense, right? The other thing I tell people is know how weathery your recipient is. And I mean this in terms of maybe it's not how weathery, but the type of weathery, right? So is this somebody who appreciates weather? Is it somebody that really wants to learn about weather? And so that might be, you know, something that is applied depending on the age range they're in. But quite often, it's not that because... You know, take for me, for example, I went back to grad school later on and got my degree. It's not something I did as the first time I went to college. So it's reasonable to think that even later people may be in that learning phase or in that deep dive phase that different gifts might be, apply. All right. So it's important to understand where they are in that spectrum. Right. Are they do they just find weather cool? Do they find gadgets cool and weather just happens to be one of the things that could play into that? Right. So maybe, you know, if you understand a little bit more about what is making them tick a little bit, you can find yourself in, in a better spot. But I think there are what I would say are three broad categories that are worth considering when you're looking at weather gifts. And the first, oddly enough, Maybe it's not only enough as books. And I don't mean buying a Kindle book or an ebook. Those can apply, but I still, I'm a firm believer in paper books, right? And one of the reasons for weather books that I think it's important is I got one as uh, recently as an anniversary present, right? It's a paper anniversary. And it was a cloud handbook and it's a cute little book. And I even remember seeing somebody recommending it on their site. And I, you know, at first I was like, no, well, I've seen a lot of these things, but it's kind of a neat, it's like a diary thing where you can go in. And again, the thought was nice, whether I go and track the clouds in there or not, I may, some of the things I, you know, I've jotted down in there cause it's kind of a neat thing, but I'll do it a lot of times when I'm with the person who gave me the present, right? Because it makes that experience more enjoyable. But books in general about weather, some of the best ones include photographs, right? Not all of them. If you want to buy a textbook, you can. And some of those have pictures. Some the pictures aren't that great anyways. But I find that just like weather is a very tactile experience, I find people that appreciate weather usually like having physical books. Now, I have tons of e-weather books, right? And there's a reason for that from teaching about weather to just follow, you know, staying on top of what I need to stay on top of. I have a lot of things that are in electronic format and those are very convenient in their own regard. But you will find me if I ever have a question that's probably faster to find an answer on the internet for. I have a stack of about five reference books, right? One's related to dynamics of the atmosphere. One is related to thermodynamics. One is related to statistics, oddly enough. But whenever I have questions about topics, I'll first go there and try to find the chapter where it is and kind of flip through the pages. Now, do I often go to the internet and, you know, check or cross-reference that? Yes, I do. But I find the ability to absorb and kind of flipping through the pages very particularly useful for, for me, right? 
But I've never given a weather book that someone said, eh, I don't like it. I, quite often people immediately, if, you, if you've given a book in a while, you know, the people just start flipping through it. And so I, I do recommend it for, for people that have an interest in weather. And again, they, it, it can cross spectrum. So if, if you really have a learner in your house, you can get there are books that are related and, and teach meteorology yet do it without calculus, which I find very interesting. And there's a book out there specifically for that. And I like it because it's kind of like learning other topics for the first time when you're getting it. A lot of these topics and ideas can be shared without making the weather topic necessarily over complex, right? So you can convey, and if someone really wants to go and study that as a future career, they'll get to the calculus part. Don't worry. They will, will not have a chance to avoid that if they really want to study it. All right. So books, number one, number two is some sort of weather station. And I say that very broadly. You heard me mention this weather device I got that, you know, was a best man gift. It has a barometer on it. It has a, a thermometer on it. It can tell me humidity. So it, it does multiple things. But you also heard me mention a Galilean thermometer. I, you know, I've given small gifts of, you know, kind of indoor, outdoor thermometer, weather state, you know, I'll call them weather stations. And that's what I'm saying. I'm using a very broad sense. So more like instrumentation. But I really do believe a weather station because they themselves, you know, you're kind of upping the ante a little bit. I've seen them as cheap as around $100, but they can go up more. I know that, I guess, the Weatherflow one, which is really kind of the hot item right now, is a few hundred dollars. The one I got as a gift was around 500 right? So they can go from, let's say, 100 and let's say up to 1000 I mean, they really can run the gamut. I don't think you need to be spending $1,000 on a weather station. I would say you know a few hundred at a max. But what I like about this gift is there's different ways you can go. You can be very focused on the idea. There's do-it-yourself ones that someone builds, right, that it's almost an experiment. Or there's these ones that are very focused on the data. And so what I really like about it is it's really good for the tech-heavy people, right? So it gives an opportunity to really get engaged in what that device is sharing about the very micro environment in which the recipient has it, right? And they, it, it's a great opportunity to share the differences between temperature at a airport that's how many ever miles away for the closest station that you know is being recorded properly. Let's put it that way, because there's plenty of people with these personal weather stations that share the data. But I know, for example, every time I lived in Chile, mine was not installed in a way that I would ever regard the temperature data to be highly accurate because I didn't have the environment, whether the home or the apartment building I was in where I was multiple floors up. I knew I wasn't getting exact, but I knew the context, right? And I was able to relate that. And I think that's the beauty of this stuff is it helps teaching in some regard the weather by just those differences, right? But there's so many models out there now. There's so many, like I said, there's new things come out, new technologies, new abilities, new features that I think you really can't go wrong with those things, all right? The last thing I would recommend is an experience. Now, what does that mean, right? Very simply, an experience might be something like a storm chasing vacation, and that's where it can get to be really expensive, like I was saying. But you can also do an experience where maybe it's a photography class. Like me, if there's somebody that's into photography and they really like weather photography, there could be a class that helps them with that. Okay. 
or it can be from you. I, you know, some of the best experiences I've had with people is when they've recognized that there's going to be a weather day, let's say, that we make an attempt to go do something where I'm going to be able to see whatever it is that's going on. And, and, and those are some of my best days, right? Some of my best days. And so you can find those too. And a lot of times that's something that doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money, right? Because it can be very close to home if you've got a place that's a great spot to view weather. Or it can be a little short trip around a meal or something like that. And it can make the experience that much better. But by thinking about it, not so much as an individual item or one of those one thing, right? You, you have the ability to kind of look at where that person is, where they're, you know, where they think about weather, how they ingest weather into their lives and what might be a good gift for them. And I'm sure you'll find one. And if you're ever stuck, feel free to send me a message. What is about the weather at gmail.com? I'll be glad to, to help you out. But as you're picking a gift, whether it's weather related or not, just remember thoughtful, but don't ever forget there's much more to weather than the weather itself.